I'm in the closet. Why am I in the closet? Is he gonna see me in the closet? Yeah, that's my R. Kelly for you. Is anybody listening? Hello and welcome to the Collier Democratic Roundup, the official podcast of the Collier County Democratic Party. My name is Jeff Spencer and I am the vice chair of the Collier Democratic Party. This is our special coverage of the Republican National Convention. We condensed it to four four days into one night, one podcast, because who the hell wants to watch that stuff over and over and over again? <laughs> and I am here, as always, with Amber and Linda. Hey, guys. Hey. Hi. So, Linda. That was a great introduction. That was a great introduction. Yeah. <laughs> Linda. Yes. Let's go to you first. Yes, Jack. What are your, what, how, how do you feel and, and what do you think of the Republican National Convention? Oh, gosh. So, I was on such a high from the Democratic National Convention. And then... <laughs> I guess in my head, I thought, of course, yes, they're going to attack. They're going to obfuscate. They're going to do everything they can to turn what was the Democratic Party's message into something that you can't actually even recognize anymore. But I was, I believe, unprepared (laughs) mentally for the level of vitriol that was unleashed by every speaker at the Republican National Convention. Um, I'm trying to think of one that was remotely positive or, dare I say, factual <laughs> in their critiques of the Democratic Party. And uh, uh, it, was, it was tough going. It was really tough going. So I came down from my high pretty fast and pretty hard. And... Um, you know, I guess we're going to go into the specifics of that, but I, I don't really have a lot of positive things to say about this past four days. Yeah, I, I concur, but I also just want to say, and we can't let them steal our thunder. Like, we need to keep our eyes forward. You can't just let people say whatever they want, and even if... of it is inaccurate or exaggerated and let that change our, our feelings. And that's, that's how I'm trying to approach this because yes, there were certain things that were demoralizing and I got into more than one Facebook back and forth exchange with people of differing opinions. (laughs) And I'm saying that somewhat kindly differing opinions more in that people <laughs> posting things that are just completely inaccurate because I'm actually, you know, I wish for the days when it was just people with differing opinions that to me, like when we were, could talk about policy differences and why the conservative party feels this way on taxes or this way on certain social issues, that, that kind of stuff I feel like is almost a relic of the past because watching this convention, there were just too many inaccuracies to count. I would read the rundown of, of fact-checking the Republican convention each day. And it just kind of like after, it's like a bed of nails. They just all 
run into one another where it, it it just they all end up kind of blending in and and it's like just one big mash of pile of goop <laughs> that's my that's my uh that's yeah. my intelligent <laughs> i got a I, I just get I, I just got to say it's exhausting there's so much in this convention that that and honestly, I think half of it is to to make people exhausted. At least, you know, to to tamp down the enthusiasm of yes. their opponents. Which I think is that's why part we of can't it. let that happen. Um, and it, it it is exhausting. There's just there is so much, and it's hard to focus on all of the stuff. I mean, you had you have lies, which we all knew was going to come, and we you had um, you had anger. And you had you had actually law breaking on display, you know, at the Republican National Convention in that in violations of the Hatch Act. You had people who were indicted speaking uh, on behalf of them. I mean, and and we talked about this before we came on. You know that what is most striking is that you look at the people speaking at the Republican National Convention, and I don't know that the average person watching realizes how much weight being in the White House gives to these individuals. But these are like the B and C team of the Republican Party, like the people that are working for the Trump administration and the people that are coming up and speaking on behalf of the Republican Party right now. This isn't the A team of the Republican Party because you do not have the former presidents or uh, nominees from the Republican Party. Mitt Romney was not there. George W. Bush was not there. You don't have any of the last three Republican Secretary of States there. Or any of you the candidates ha- either. Or you don't have any of the candidates. You don't have any of the people um, from the Republican Party from all of the past administrations. None of them are there. And normally as at, at these conventions, as we saw at the Democratic uh, convention last week, you have all of the former, you know, high-ranking officials. Like we had two presidents and a former first lady and multiple secretaries of state, and you know, one of the Republican secretaries of states that wasn't at the Republican National Convention was speaking at the Democratic National Convention in Colin Powell. So, you know, I, I think people need to remember that. Yes, there were these people saying and they were speaking lies and they were doing all this stuff. But part of it is that just they're not these are not the best and brightest. I know, you know, Trump says that he has the best people, but I mean, he's gotten rid of pretty much his entire staff over, you know, the three and a half years. Almost none of those people who are in there now were there at the beginning. And so you're kind of in a position where you're forced to listen to just really angry, mean, bad people. And it, and it's hard to focus on one part of it because it's all so bad that you just kind of, it all becomes this kind of blur or what was it? Glob? Glob. Yeah. It's a goop. It just becomes goop. It's goop. Yeah. It all blends G-O-P. together. G-O-P. <laughs> Did you just think of that? That was yes. darn, sir. Yeah. sir. 
I'm well, curious, you know, we asked this question last time at the end of the Democratic National Convention. We asked if anybody's mind changed. So it's so interesting you say that because I did pay attention to that. Like Politico was super quick at uh, Politico and um, the PBS NewsHour were super quick to give us ratings about how the Democratic National Convention uh, uh, was doing while it was happening. And then this week, the Republican National Convention, and they notice the difference in numbers. According to their accounting, more people watch the DNC as opposed to the RNC, um, you know, in, in pretty good numbers. So their ratings were considerably lower. Um, so that was interesting. I, again, you know, social media and, um, you know, I, I didn't necessarily see a lot of the, the sharing and the moving and the, and the posting of, you know, sound bites from the RNC. So I, you know, I'm hopeful but, you know, again, hope has bit me in the butt. Hello, 2016, that um, that really who they were pandering to again was their, you know, super right wing base. So I don't know if that's the case, but I, I definitely think that was one of their main goal. I think they had kind of two main goals with this the base, which is where you see the angry kind of rhetoric. Um and I'm talking to you, Gilfoy. <laughs> Gilfoy. We're going to talk about angry. I'm just going to wow. start. I'm going to start talking like this, guys. Okay? <laughs> All right? Democracy will be saved. It's it will incredible. Be saved. That was an amazing performance. You could yeah. literally, you could see that she heard them, the, the crowds cheering in her head. Oh. And she was just going to overspeak. It was like. They can't hear me. I've got to go louder. They're loving this. Somebody, just, someone had all the voices her. in my head. And that was recorded. Yeah. yeah, right. That was recorded. That was, that was the best version. Right. They said, oh, let's go with that one. That's, that's the one. Gonna, that's the one. Well, yeah. and I think when you go to, uh, to what Linda was talking about, shareability of some of the, the speeches and the little pre-produced clips that they made, I mean, you think about that probably got the most play out of the entire convention from what I saw. Right. And now granted, I'm not often wallowing in right wing websites or things like that. So I'm sure some other things got a lot of play that I was not seeing. Um, but I think overwhelmingly that was what got the most play, even more so than, than Trump himself, honestly. Um, so I agree. I don't think it was as shareable. I, I did see that it had less reviews, but I think that it probably achieved a certain amount of what it wanted to in, in one convincing the, the base, just really firing up the base. Maybe people who were a little lackluster, um, which I, you know, for Trump, it's probably not honestly not that many. The people that were watching were probably already gung ho. Um, or the their second criteria is I think they were really trying to humanize Trump and um, talk about some of his accomplishments, and that was to more focus. <laughs> I know. Or make up some yes, of these accomplishments. Yes, um, focus on the suburban voters or the voters who had voted for him in 16 and did not vote for him in 18. And, or, or, you know, just trying to reassure conservatives who are unsure about Trump that it's okay. Like, you can vote 
you can still vote for Trump and you right. know, you're not a racist and you're not, you know, making a bad decision. Like it's okay. Right. So I think those were their two main goals. And I think they probably achieved somewhat. Now every convention convinces some people um, for sure. But from what I can see, the, the, the people who were unsure about Joe Biden prior to the convention, I think that did so much more because people know Trump. They not only do they know Trump, but they know Trump as president. They know his record and they can see the mess that we're in. Um, And so if they're unsure, it's not because they don't know what he's going to do. They know what he's going to do versus you have Joe Biden, who, even though he's been in the public eye for for many decades, he's never been in this position. And, you know, there was all this rhetoric leading up to it from the right. Oh, he's sleepy Joe. He's, he's, you know, he's lost his mind. He, you know, he can't even give a speech. So I think there were a lot of people who, even if they were leaning towards Biden, were unsure. And he blew that out of the park compared to Trump, who, I mean, I think his speech, I've hardly heard any major things about his speech other than that it was very long. Yes. People are still 70 minutes. It was 71 minutes long. People are still catnapping after that thing. (laughs) I mean, 71 minutes. And that was his fourth one. I mean, the other, the, the, what, two nights before was like 50, 50 some odd minutes. I I mean, he gave a speech on the middle two nights. And then he did on the I first guess it night. was Monday. Then I guess oh, it was Monday. Oh, but he did the, I'm glad you brought up the middle two nights. He brought up the yeah. disgusting display of naturalizing uh, the five immigrants who, look, they not looked, disgusting that they the got way, naturalized and welcome to America. Yeah. Thank you. They look like <laughs> but, hostages, though. Can we say they look like And they hostages? didn't even know. It yes. just came out that they reported yes. that they were not told that they were part of the RNC. They, that was a pre-recorded taped ceremony. Oh, yeah, just one. But there were so many things. There was a video in the RNC uh, that was showing of riots, and it's now being reported <laughs> that those Spain. those those were videos from Spain. Yeah. Uh, they were not videos from the United States. Um, you know, I, I, I. But to get back to to your point, um, Amber, which is you know that that what was the goal of of this for the Republican Party, and and I think you're right that you know a lot of it was base. Uh, directed, which is not new for this president. I mean, almost everything he does is directed at his base. But I think if we want a positive out of it, it is not a compelling sign for any campaign to feel like they have to shore up their base. Uh, I don't believe that Joe Biden in his convention, I didn't get the feeling that Joe Biden was concerned about the base of the Democratic Party. Much of what he did in that in that Democratic National Convention was aimed at making people really like him, but also to reach out to the middle, uh, the middle part of the country, and to try to give them a reason to to not fear Joe Biden and to feel comfortable with voting for Joe Biden. And um, so that's the first thing. I don't think it's a good sign that he that that the Trump campaign feels like they have to shore up their base sixty eight days out of the election. The second thing would would be is, and and I think you're absolutely right, Amber, is that um, Republicans need to give an excuse 
for voting. And so I want to talk about really quick about Jimmy Carter when Carter was running against Reagan in 1979. And so um, Carter was trying to make this argument against Reagan and was making this argument that, you know, Reagan was, was radical, that he was a threat, that you couldn't trust him. And two things happened in that election. One, people basically stopped listening to Jimmy Carter. They way early in 79, they were basically done with Carter and they didn't want, uh, they, they were looking for a reason to support Reagan. And so what happened, all Reagan had to do was just give people a reason to be comfortable voting for Reagan. They, they, he didn't have to prove that he was great on everything. He just had to prove that he wasn't as bad as what Carter was suggesting. Mm -hmm. And so I think what's happening here, you're, you're seeing that in this convention, which is the Republicans are trying to say, yeah, everything that they said about Trump is, you know, is bad. But here, look, he really does care about immigrants. Oh, here, look, he really does care about this. And another funny thing that I heard that that um, Ezra Klein uh, on the weeds brought up about the convention um, was uh, when Steve Scalise stood up and, and told a story about how to try to humanize President Trump. Steve Scalise is famously, he was the, the leadership, Republican leadership, uh, who was shot at the uh, baseball game, the softball mm -hmm. game. This was three, four years ago. And he's trying to humanize Donald Trump by saying that, you know, I was shot. I'm in the Republican leadership. And when I was shot, you know, President Trump called me. And Ezra Klein's like, well, that's a kind of low bar. I mean, he's he's you know he's the president of the United States, and you're the third in charge of the Republican Party, and you're trying to say to everyone that he just made a call, like he just called you. Like, there's nothing more that you can say about him that humanizes him. He didn't go out of his way. He put a call into like somebody who was hurt on national television. Like that doesn't seem. Whereas all of the stories, it was like they were trying to do what they did for Biden, and we talked about this all throughout the convention last week which was all of these stories about Joe Biden, we were like, they can't come up with a single story for Donald Trump that, that they can do. And they tried. They, the yeah. Republicans, they tried. They tried their damnedest to be able to put forward stories that made Trump sound like he cared about people. But all they could do is say, he made a phone call. He called and talked to me. And it's like, Joe Biden's got all these stories about lifelong friendships with people on the train and in the elevator and, and the, 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 I can't get over Braden, the, mm. the young kid who had a stutter, who he took out of his way in this campaign to step aside and just help him with this. I mean, like those types of things are, you know, perfect examples of someone who cares and is not doing it because of, you know, some perfunctory duty. And all they can put forward is the president made a phone call. Uh, you know, and that's, you know, and I, I, I don't think it's going to resonate with people. Um, and I don't think it's going to convince anybody to change uh, the way they view the president. The question is, is it enough for those middle people to feel like it's an excuse to be able to vote, that they feel okay with casting their vote. So that's where it comes down. I don't think anybody's casting their vote because they think he is a moral and decent and 
humane and caring man. That is, I, I even think his, you know, diehard would barely believe that. But it's the, I think what they're going to win on potentially more. Um, I think they had to do that um, to try to humanize them. I think that probably fell flat more than um, the fear rhetoric, which which they used um, a lot throughout the convention. I think that is going to have more of an impact. And we've seen that, which is why this is basically now the Republicans playbook the last however many years. I mean, that is their playbook is fear. Go to fear when you don't have a specific policy then make people afraid of what might happen. But, you know, it's like, it, it made me laugh, kind of like crying laughing, but over and over again, when they're talking about, this is Joe, you're, when Joe Biden is in charge, you're going to see riots in the streets and you're going to like, the, all this stuff is going to be happening. And you're like, uh, that is actually happening while you have been president <laughs> for the last three years. Like Absolutely. this is currently actually happening. This has nothing to do with Joe Biden. You are in charge. So I think there's a difference. I think it's a harder message for him than he had in 2016 of, you know, look at how bad everything is. And I'm the only one that can fix it. I mean, you have that famous line of only I can fix it. Well, you know, you're saying that now, well, I'm the one to fix it. Well, you've been in office for four years. Why, why are you not fixing it? Not only are you not fixing it, why are things so much worse? Um, you know, I so know, but I, I've just had, I've just had many of conversation the, this past week and from people that are super duper close to me and they have disassociated themselves from reality. Well, and not even from reality, it's from any of his character flaws. So, so much so that I can't actually even bring up the fact that he may be an amoral human. I, that has to be completely left out of the conversation. So what you have left is policy. So you, you try and, and discuss policy. Well, what, what has he done for you these past three years? What has he done? And they seem to be super happy with everything he's done. And so uh, I'm, Jeff and I were having this conversation earlier this week. I mean, you know, some of the some of the deep differences between the Republican Party and the Democratic Party are alive and well and playing playing heavily in people's decisions. And I just I and I think Jeff, you kind of, we talked about this. You're like, if they face the fact that Trump is not a kind human doesn't have the best interests of this country at its, at heart, then what does that say about their hearts? What does that say about them? So if we want to, if we want any of these people to self-actualize before this election, that's not going to happen. There's not no. going to be any self-actualization. It will all happen in the history books. Well, I think that it's unfortunately, I think that the people who are staunch Trump supporters are not concerned so much about what he's doing for them, but they are more concerned about what he's doing against the people that they don't like. Sure. And, and, that, and those are, those and are they character are, flaws. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's a little depressing at, at, a, at a certain point. And I think that's where we, where we all kind of 
um, have to just uh, accept that there are going to be a certain number of individuals who will, as Linda said, have just said, I'm, I've absolved myself of any stain that voting for this man um, places on me and that I am making this decision strictly on policy and the consequences of his character be damned. It does not matter to me. It is an understatement to say that we are currently lacking competent and effective leadership in many areas of government. Am I right? Luckily, the Florida Democratic Party has a Democratic candidate running not only for president, but in every state Senate seat and in every state House seat but one. The Collier County Democratic Party has a volunteer force of dedicated Dems who are working hard to elect Democrats in our fair state and defeat Comrade 45 this November. We've begun a vote-by-mail initiative and we need all the help we can get. With only a short time until November, time is literally of the essence. All of our activities are safe and can be done from home, like writing postcards or making phone calls in a virtual phone bank. We have only one shot at this, so please carve out some time to help us. Go to www.callyourdems.org. That's www.callyourdems.org. And click on the Get Involved button. It's time to go to the mattresses and have no regrets come November. I was just going to say, can we speak about going back to the convention that the Republican Party did not present a platform for this convention? They took the platform from the 2016 convention, and which was basically like a page, I think, bullet pointed, <laughs> and re just reprint, hit reprint, and that was their... That was their platform for this. They didn't have, you know, back in the day at these conventions, there were some serious debates amongst amongst the members of the parties of trying to hash out what their actual platform was. But under Trump, because everything has to be what he says or nothing, um, there was no talk about it. There was just like, yep. That's it. That's what we're well, going to be. And they're Amber, running on that again. Amber, That's if it crazy. Ain't broke, if it ain't broke, Amber, why fix it? I mean, seriously, honey. That's like their thought. It ain't broken. We just got to keep on keeping on for the next Yeah, years. I think, you know, there, there was a book that has uh, recently came out, and it's called It Was All a Lie. And um, it's written by... Uh, the campaign manager for Mitt Romney's campaign in 2012 presidential campaign. And he basically says, this is a longtime Republican operative um, campaign official. He, he has run for uh, campaigns for senators and for presidential campaigns. And he just says it was all a lie. And he basically admits in the book that, you know, he was misled. He thought that they were fighting for principle on, on all of these things and come to find out that there was no principle and it was not, there was nothing there. It was all, um, it was all a lie. And I think that's where, um, you know, what we're seeing come to full fruition with this convention, which is 
Um, you just have people up there who are not concerned about uh, whether what they're saying is the truth or not. I mean, when you have Nikki Haley um, standing up there and giving a speech, and then she she literally makes the argument that after the uh, Mother Emanuel shooting, how she, when she was governor of South Carolina, removed the Confederate flag from the state capitol. And she says, you know, we were able to do that, you know, and be able to respect everyone and take down that symbol of hate. I mean, when she she says that at the Republican convention, the guy that she's defending, the guy she's speaking in at the convention on behalf of is the one who's saying that we shouldn't take down the flag. He's the one who's saying that, like, there's just a level of, of hypocrisy and willingness to lie about the realities that um, I think has always been present in the Republican Party, but there was the leadership, the upper echelons of the Republican Party, the leaders who are, have, have, as we've already mentioned, are not at this convention. Um, Ezra Klein said it best when he was talking about this. He said, basically, the President Trump is trying to do a thread a very fine needle here. He is trying to take full credit, 100% credit, for the economy before the pandemic. An economy that started under Obama and continued. He's trying to take 100% credit for that success. And not just started, rebuilt. Rebuilt, rebuilt. by Obama and Biden after the financial collapse of largely of Republican making. Correct. Well, largely, completely of Republican making. Well, I and wanted then, to give, a, you know, a little wiggle no, room there. Completely Mostly. of Republican making. Yeah. And then, and then he's trying to take no responsibility for the, co- the, the handling of the coronavirus crisis. Yeah. Well, it already He happened. takes zero responsibility for that. Can you get that from the, from the convention? Yes, the, it's the over the now. Coronavirus, it's over. It's right. over. That, that was a bad time in our history and we persevered and we made it. I think people listening, those of you who are listening need to need to realize that um, as much as we watch this convention and see the uh, hypocrisy, see the lies, see the, the outright fraud that, that the Republicans are trying to, to place on the American people, you need to realize that, that it's going to work for a large number of people, this convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already are seeing in the uh, polling right now that things are tightening. Florida, Joe Biden only has a 62, according to 538, they, they've got him at a 62% chance to win Florida. Um, the polls are tightening. They're getting tighter and tighter. Um, and they're going to continue to tighten. And so if people need to realize that if you can do something, if you can volunteer, if you can make phone calls, if you can donate, if you can do something, you need to do it now. You've got to get in and start doing something because people are going to come home. What you see is you see people who are typically Republicans, they vote Republican, but they don't want to vote. They don't want to be associated. So they're saying they're undecided. They're saying, I haven't made up my mind yet, but they almost always vote Republican. But in the polling, they're saying, I really haven't made up my mind yet. If he convinces those Republicans to come home, and to vote this election, it is going to be just as tight and it is going to be just as contested 
as as in 2016. And it doesn't matter how self-evident we believe Donald Trump is ill-equipped and unqualified to be president. 46% of the United States is okay with it. And so if we don't do everything we can right now to try to prevent it, it will happen again. And, you know, it, it is not a foregone conclusion. He is one, you know, four out of 10 times he's going to win this election. 40% of the time he's going to win this election. It's not, you know, it does not, all of that he's done. And, and honestly, you know, I know I'm on a little bit of a rant, but one more thing that, you know, the, you know, his back in 2019, one year ago, his polling was at 42%. Since then, we have had 180,000 people die, largely because of his mishandling of the pandemic. We have unemployment at 10.5% and a drop off the likes of which we have never seen since the Great Depression. We have race racial relations that are the worst that they've ever been since the 1960s. And his polling is at 43%. So like people need to realize, like we look at this, we Democrats look at this and say, well, surely they can't vote for him after what he's done with the pandemic and what he's done with the economy and what he's done with race relations. Surely they can't vote for him. I'm here to tell you, yes, they will. They will vote for him because they view it as, I'm not even going to speculate why. I think every one of them has a different reason why, but the reality is, is that they don't fear what will happen as much as we do. I think that really comes down to it. And so, um, everyone needs to get involved. I I just can't stress that if you can do something, Everyone has to become a poll worker or become a poll watcher for the Democratic Party or, or volunteer or phone banks or donate. Do something because everyone is going to have to do something. You're not going to feel better on November 4th if he's reelected thinking, well, I, you know, I didn't do enough. It's not, it, it, that is not a feeling you want. Not this time. Last time, it's acceptable. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And yeah, I, we need to all do something. I heard Absolutely. Something. Uh, I heard there are ten weekends left before this election. Like, you know, that is not that much time. Just, just ten weekends are going to go by like that. And 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 inside politics here, inside baseball. People in Florida can start casting their ballots on September, as early as September 24th, 25th, when the vote-by-mail ballots get sent out. So people can start voting in less than a month, which means that if everyone sends in their ballot on September 24th, that can be good and bad in some cases. It's great if they all vote for Joe Biden and we can all focus on getting the the less least likely people going out to the polls but another thing is is that if the the race tightens like for instance back in 2016 the access hollywood tape came out in mid-october so if a bunch of republicans go and vote by mail in the first three weeks and then realize oh well i don't you know 
lots have changed. I'd rather vote for someone else. They can't. They've already voted. So it's important that, like, yes, we have 10 weekends, but it's even less than that. People are going to start voting in four weeks. Right. So, like, we've got to start pushing now with people to try to convince them on how they need to vote. And so, you know, this is the time. 66 more days. That's, That's it. You know, and then if we don't pull it off, it's another... 1500 days or whatever uh, of this president or more depending on how the Republican party handles it, because I don't have much confidence that they're ever going to stand up to them. That's very true. So then that's very interesting. So then guys, you know, throughout this election, we've been talking about Republicans jumping ship and, you know, there's a slew of them lately. Um, We've talked about the Lincoln project and the, the people associated with that K six, you know, speaking for, Joe Biden at the Democratic National Convention. And now, um, you know, we have a couple of people uh, that are going on record, Miles Taylor and Elizabeth Newman. You know, how do we feel about them? How do we feel about all the other Republicans that are going on record against Donald Trump now, right now, this is three years into his uh, term, um, you know, and then some of these people that are coming out right now. I mean, as you said, Jeff, we're, you know, 60 plus days away from the election and they're just starting to talk now. How do you feel about that? uh, I will take it and we can, we can better late than never. We can take it up with them afterwards and they can deal with their own conscience afterwards. But I think anybody that's going to come out, I'm, I'm fine with other than Richard Spencer, that one I wasn't fine with, but other than that, I'll take anybody. (laughs) Well, I, well, and I and yeah, Biden I didn't handled it brilliantly. He, he did; it was he, perfect. He he, he yeah. totally denounced it and said he didn't want his support. And so, wow, wasn't that presidential? I God, I I long for the the moment when a president realized, <laughs> hey, let's condemn the white nationalist yeah. racist asshole. Um, Your vote you know, is like, not worth your yeah, like. When, when did that become, you know, newsworthy that the, that a presidential candidate would would, you know, tell tell somebody who's that abhorrent that he should uh, just take his vote elsewhere. But I do want to um, talk about Elizabeth Newman a little bit, because I thought she she had a great answer to your question, Linda, which is why now? Because she was on Rachel Maddow um, earlier okay. this week and um, Rachel asked her that very question, like, you know, how, how did, why now and how are you here? And she said, you know, at the beginning of the administration, she said, well, first of all, she goes, my department was, was, was international terrorism. So I did not work with a lot of the people who handled the kids in cages and a lot of the, the other abhorrent stuff that was going on with the department of Homeland security. But she said, I initially took, most of what was going on, um, especially in the first year, year and a half, as, okay, these are people who have never been in politics, they've never been in government, and they just don't understand. She she took it as, they're just naive, they just don't understand, and they're not, you know, they'll they'll eventually figure it out, that she felt like that. And I actually thought, okay, I could see if you were a career diplomat or a career bureaucrat or somebody who's worked in the, in the, uh, you know, in kind of the career area of the, of the government that you could look at that, you know, someone coming in and thinking, well, 
you know, surely it couldn't be that bad. It can't be as bad as what everyone is saying. Um, but she says that now she literally said on air, she said now she believes that there are members within that literally are espousing the white nationalists. They have white nationalist intent. And so how do I feel about it? Again, better late than never that they're coming out. Um, I can spin this either way. Well, um, I think the I, bigger question is, will it have an impact? Will these right. people have an impact on voters who are not right. sure? Those well, two- and see, here's my positive spin on it. I don't know if these individuals will have an impact on swaying people, but I think they may be indicative of the type of people that would normally vote Republican that are not planning to vote Republican this year. So, like, sure. I don't know that them watching this are changing minds. I think the people who are completely behind Trump are not going to be changed. Their no, mind is not, not going to be changed base. by someone. Not right. base. But I do think that this is evidence. There are too many. I mean, we, you know, you have all of the McCain staffers who came out and said that they're not, uh, that they're endorsing Biden. You have, there is the 43 for Biden. So the 43 alumni, which are alumni who worked in the George W. Bush administration, a bunch of officials from that administration have come out as, and support and endorse Biden. You have former uh, senators, Jeff Flake, you have John Kasich, Colin Powell, secretary. You have so many people on the Republican side that are coming out to endorse Joe Biden far more than normal. You, you tend to have these types of things at every convention. Um, where you have a Democrat or Republican switching sides to support the other one, but not in these numbers for right. Joe Biden. And so I, I think that it may be indicative of, of a type of person who, is, who did believe the rhetoric that the Republicans were selling for so many years. Um, and I think that they're moving away. I just, it, it, it all comes down to, to get out the vote turnout. I mean, hey, we may find out on November 4th it may be a landslide and Joe Biden is elected and we're all like, well, yeah, of course, who would, you know, after what he did and we all, you know, but um, he doesn't need much law. He doesn't need much slippage mm-hmm. to lose. I mean, he only won Florida by 100,000 votes in 2016 with a very, very unpopular candidate in Hillary Clinton. Um, 100,000 votes is not a lot of votes in a in a in a state where there's 15 million registered voters um, that comes down to 1500 votes per County. So, you know, here in Collier County, Hillary Clinton got a roughly around 67,000 votes. We need 68, 500 to flip it. So, um, you know, it's all possible. I just don't, you know, some of this is, we're just going to find out it's going to come down to Republicans who, who um, it's it, it's going to come down to turnout for the Democrats, and um, and then what the Republicans do. Um, so what? That's what, not saying much, though. That's every election, isn't it? Um, what is the? It's, on, it on seems to be level, lately. You know, sure. On any locality, not just here in Collier County, but anybody that's doing wants to do something locally. What is the best way that we can get Democrats out? For voter turnout. So the what we can tell you is that the Biden campaign and all the meetings that I've had with the Biden campaign over the last three weeks, uh, they are not opening an office and they're doing everything virtually. 
Um, so everything will be phone banking. Everything will be contactless literature drops. Um, everything will be all COVID centric and, and responsible campaigning. We would say that the, uh, you can always volunteer at the Collier County Democratic Party and go to our website. That's, that's a great way. If you want to help Joe Biden directly, you can uh, go to his website and you can sign up to volunteer there. And uh, we do have five paid staffers. The Biden campaign has five paid staffers here in Collier County. When I say here in Collier County, none of them are actually here in Collier County. Um, virtually assigned they're all to virtually. <laughs> We have um, a weekly meeting with the Biden campaign with those staffers every Monday. They're all virtual. They're making phone calls, but they're in charge of other volunteers and they're giving phone banks and they're doing texting platforms and they're doing uh, a, a bunch of stuff like that. So that's a great way to, to, to get involved. But honestly, here in Collier County, the, the, the thing that people need to do, which would be the most helpful, is talk to your Republican friends. Talk to do the thing that is the most uncomfortable and the most frustrating thing is that you need to find the Republican who is who who is not happy with Trump and make them realize that they can vote for Joe Biden because I know that is uncomfortable but it is the only way that we make a real difference here in Collier County because the numbers are the numbers here and we have 100,000 Republicans to 54,000 Democrats and about 50,000 MPAs uh no party affiliation so you know, we have to win over, like I said, Hillary got 67,000 votes. That means she got pretty much every single Democrat and some of the NPAs. Mm -hmm. um, we, we, to, make, to, to get into that, we've got to convert Republicans. Uh, and, and I'm not asking people to go and talk to the flag-waving, MAGA hat-wearing, you know, Alfie Oaks crowd. You know, avoid them at, you know, all costs. Do not Hell, it's probably engage. dangerous for you um, to, to go and engage them. Yeah. But um, but, you know, the. The Republican who who's, you know, who's respectful and and and, you know, has has voiced and, and we know this. All well, of us have people that friends. you have relationships with. It's not approaching random strangers who are out expressing right. their views. It's always helpful to speak about your own feelings and experience rather than to try to tell somebody else that their experience or feelings are wrong. So um, typically you want to, if you're going to engage with somebody on policy, um, you know, for instance, on healthcare or on COVID, instead of pointing to the facts of science that say all these to say, you know, my, if, if you have this story, you know, my friend's grandmother, you know, you know, contracted it and, and really struggled with it. And, you know, I think that if you speak, you know, and that I'm really concerned for my mother, you know, for instance, in my, you know, in my situation, my mom is, you know, going through cancer and chemo treatments and, and, you know, and, you know, I worry about the precautions that everyone is taking. And, and to me, wearing a mask is a small is a small ass to protect my mother. And I don't believe that that's, and I think that's a more effective argument to begin with, with a Republican 
uh, who is who is on the fence. Again, the Alfie Oaks crew is you know is going to dismiss even that out of hand. I think, but mm-hmm. um, but I think if you if you're honest and open with people about that, and you and you start from that place, a place where people can find some common you know um, ground, you can you can make headway and then transition into why that means I want to support someone who, who is listening to science because, and, and is listening to the experts because I don't want anybody's mother or anybody's father to be put in a position where they're at risk um, because we just, we've chosen to just not listen to stuff. And I think that, and look, I'm aware of, you're only talking about 10% of the electorate that are open to this. I mean, there, I think there's a 40%, 41% who are, who are committed to Donald Trump and, and they're going that route. But if you know, you know, the people who are, who are open that you think are, you know, persuadable. And um, I think that's an effective way to try to do it. It may not work, but we've got to try, we've got to pull every stop that we can to try to get every single vote because again, it's not no one is going to feel okay come November 4th. If, if he's reelected and we're all sitting around thinking, what could I have done? All right. So I guess let's go ahead and stop it there. Amber, Linda, thank you again for braving the internet to discuss the RNC convention. I really appreciate it. I will never be the same. <laughs> All right, I so uh, that's our show. Please check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We have 66 days left until Election Day. Please get involved to help elect Joe Biden and all of our candidates. Hope everyone's staying safe out there. Until next time, so long.